What up? Welcome to the Continual Growth Podcast, where our goal is to help you create happiness through growth. And the best way to do that is to kill every day and own your fucking life. My name is Bawanka. I'm your host. It's episode 44, and we're about to bring that hot fire. <laughs> so today, I'm joined by none other than, than Leo Barb, okay? So let me give the people a brief intro of, of Leo Barb, okay? So Leo, he's not only an educator and a motivator, but he's a survivor. And he's going to be talking a little bit about that today. Leo's been featured on things such as Bell, CB, CBS, CTV, MTV, We Day, and the Huffington Post. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Leo, he's out here, man. Leo, how you feeling today? I'm feeling blessed, brother. You're, blessed. Feel, you're feeling blessed, <laughs> brother. You ready to get it popping? Let's do this, man. Okay, Definitely. Okay, okay. Thanks so much for having me. No problem, man. No problem. So I met you probably two years ago, and it was just... It was just is, that that long, is that that long ago? Yeah, it was like two years ago. I remember we were just at an event, and I started... like We didn't even know each other, and I just started hearing you speak, and I'm like... This guy is fucking incredible. Your story yeah, thanks, is bro. your story is crazy, and I was blown away. And like, you you inspired me right there. Nice. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah. So so uh, let's just let's just jump straight into it and 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 let the people know a little bit about Leo, about your story, about your journey, and 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 what brought you here today. Oh, sweet. Well, appreciate. It. Thanks so much for the time, man. Be a part of this amazing podcast. CG team, like I love what you guys are doing. You know that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's my story. Wow, I was a guy that thought he had it all figured out. <laughs> you know, like I, uh, you know, nothing was really too hard for me. There was nothing out of reach. Yeah, uh, things came easy. I didn't really have to try. I just kind of showed up, and shit went my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided, okay, you know, I want to do something with my life. What am I going to do? Okay, sales. Okay, so I got into corporate sales, finished high school, went through college, got my uh, got my certificate, my diploma, went off into college. Or after college, went into this job with photocopier sales. Well, if you know anything about sales, okay. photocopier sales is like the the dragon's den, like the like where the wolves are, like cutthroat city, right? Okay. So I was primed and ready for that. I loved it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm done school. I got this great job. Shit, what do I do now? Celebrate, right? Yeah. So, Canada Day weekend rolls around. I still remember telling my coworkers, like, yo, I'm going to get wild tonight. Like, yeah, this weekend. I'm about to um, turn up. Yeah, I remember even to one person, I was like, yo, you might even see me on the news. Like, oh, I was shit. just, like, trying to pick it up. Like, I'm going to have this great party in Montreal. Canada Day weekend, jazz festival, 40-degree weather. Man, Montreal was the spot, right? Mm-hmm. So... We grabbed a group of friends, we rolled down into Montreal, first night, a little bit of dinner, live music, we kept it really low-key. Second night, obviously, we were like, okay, we're here to celebrate. That's all my friends are in the same... It's turn-up time. It's turn-up. We're all in the same kind of spot in our lives, right? Where we're done school, we're, we're building our career. Yeah. So let's get wild. So we went up to the club. I remember, man, it's like, it's like not even my story, it's like someone else's story. Mm-hmm. I see these two beautiful girls over at the bar. And I was just like, yo, that's it. Like, I want to go talk to those girls. Mm. So we start talking to these girls. We're having a good time. I remember I just situated myself with these girls the whole night. Yeah. So as the night's progressing, my friends are bouncing. They're leaving. They're getting food. They're going back to the residence. Like, well, They're all just scattering, right? Yeah. And I remember turning around, and it was at 2 in the morning, and it's like, where did everybody go? Like, club school. You know, I'm focused on these girls. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Pull up my cell phone, miss call, miss phone or text message. I'm like, all right, my friends are all at the residence. I gotta, I gotta leave. Turn yeah. to the girls. 
they're gone. They bounced. Yeah, <laughs> like Rico Suave wasn't there tonight. Yeah. So I didn't work out. So I was like, whatever. I took the L. I jumped into the street. You know, I remember, I remember hailing down a taxi, jumping into the taxi. And I remember just mixing it up like, man, I'm from Toronto. Love your city. Montreal. So I'm first time here. Mm-hmm. He's like, Leo, I'm going to save you some money today. And I was like, all right, bro. Cool, man. He's like, you know, downtown Toronto is one-way streets. Montreal is the same way, man. My talk, taxi friends will take guys like you the long way, charge you that extra fare. Yeah. I'm going to drop you off here. Stops the cab at a, at a subway station connected to an alleyway. Mm-hmm. I say that, like, why did I choose the alleyway? Anyway, he's like, you see the end of that alleyway, there was a spotlight shining down. He's like, that's your building. That's McGill residence where you're staying. It's, like, it's right there. 10 seconds. Go for it, bro. Yeah. I'm like, all right, thanks, bro. Save me 20 bucks. Great. Get out of the cab. Shut the door. Call my homie. I'm like, yo, I'm in the alleyway. Come open the security door for me. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, bro. I'll meet you down there. Hang up the phone. And I remember it's like a scene from a movie. This kid pops out. He's like, yo, dog, you got a cigarette? And I was like, no, man. Sorry, I don't smoke. Really casual, fast. Yeah. And then so he's like, give me all your fucking money. Pull, turn around. He's got a revolver on me. I'm like, damn. I'm like, bro, chill, relax. You don't need to do this, man. I'm very calm. Mm-hmm. I'm reaching for my pocket. I didn't grab anything. I'm kind of showing him I'm going for my stuff. He was agitated, gun shaking in his hand. Yeah. He's kind of like, yo, I need this now. Like, just like pushing me to give it to him. I get cornered at the wall of the residence where we're staying. Kid puts the gun in my gut and goes, I don't give a fuck. Give me your money now. God damn. Animal instincts took over. I grab the gun like this. I try to rip it out of his hand. I take my left. I try to punch him. We tripped over this small fence, like kind of like what skateboarders grind on. It like protects like a grassy area. Okay. So I kind of lose my footing. I trip. I fall to the ground. Guy rips the gun out of my hand and pop, pulls the trigger. First bullet hit me in the stomach. I didn't really feel it. Like obviously I felt I got hit by something, but adrenaline kicked in. Yeah. Then I remember him shuffling my body together in between his legs and he shot again. I believe it was for my head. He missed and hit me in the back, came out of my chest, and left me bleeding to death. The second bullet, man, I felt every inch of that bullet, for sure. Adrenaline had already taken care of the first bullet. The second bullet... Kids ask me all the time, okay, what does it feel like to be shot? I say, take a taut steel rod, Mm. stick it in a fire, all day. Take it out of the fire, it's beaming red. Stab someone with it. It literally feels like hot, twisted steel burning through your flesh. And I felt every inch. I passed out. I lost, uh, you know, almost two pints of blood. I passed out. My buddy, who I called, was literally, he thought someone else let me in. We made friends on the first floor. So he's like, all right, you're cool. Someone else, Leo's 6'2", 230. Guy can take care of himself, right? He wasn't even worried. He wasn't worried at all, right? He didn't hear the gunshots, nothing. He went up to sleep, slept like a baby. I'm in a... I'm around the corner bleeding to death. You have no idea. So long story short, a mailman found me in the morning four hours later. Performed CPR, saved my life. Very lucky to be alive. I went through, you know, I remember waking up and, you know, the doctors are looking down at me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's awake, he's awake. I'm like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Right? They're like, you've been shot twice and you're in critical condition. You're lucky to be alive. I'm thinking the alleyway, the gun, like, that wasn't a dream? Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, this is my life? I remember these tubes connected to this machine, the life support, like keeping me alive. I'm just like flushed with a, with emotion, anger, fear, you know, feeling lost and confused. Why this happened to me? Where are my friends? What about my family? What happens now? Mm-hmm. Man, I was in Montreal for 14 days. I remember not a single day was promised to me. 
uh, I remember my dad was the first one there and the doctor was like, sir, your son's not going to make it. Like he's not going to live the week for sure. We're scared. He might not even live through the day. My dad like wiping his tears. Like did they oh. say, did they say that to you too? Or they just, no, him? definitely not. Okay, uh, to, okay. to tell you, honestly, I woke up with a different name. I woke up and they were calling me Chris Phillips. And why they did that was because the guy ended up taking my wallet mm. and my ID. Yeah. And normally, if that happens and it's gang-related, they will come back to local hospitals, ask, is Leo Barb here? I'm a friend. I want to see him. Yeah, he's on Florida, blah, blah, blah. They'll come and finish the job. Oh, okay, okay. So they gave me a different name. So nobody knew I was Leo Barb except my surgeon. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was like, Mr. Phillips. I was like, who the fuck's Mr. Phillips? Like, yo, I'm in a twilight zone. I'm a shot. Like... This isn't a nightmare. My name's Chris Phillips. Like, I got to wake up soon. I'm, like, pinching myself, right? I never woke up, man. And I remember my dad was the first one. And so I was, the first bullet hit me in the small and large intestine. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't use my stomach, pretty much. Second bullet came, went in my back, missed my heart, came out of my chest. That was a flesh wound. I, yeah, wasn't supposed to live. I, my dad told me, he came into, I, I, I say this to the kids all the time. He came into the hospital room after wiping his tears away and said, Leo, you're going to live. Leo, it's like, we're getting out of here soon. Yeah. Lie to me. Why? Because the mental and physical are directly. Yes. Right. We talk about being positive, but positive can literally change the chemical compound in your body. Right. It can literally make you feel something. That's why when you're nervous, you get butterflies. The mental and the physical are connected. So he's like, Leo, you're going to live. Everything's fine. He kept me motivated, kept me positive. Like, I'm going to get out of here. When actuality, I wasn't. And I'll never forget. I'm walking in the mic. I'm not even walking. My dad's rolling me in a wheelchair. I'm rolling by other hospital beds and and rooms. And I was on the critical care floor. So everybody on my floor was going to die. And I'm hearing screams. I'm hearing like torture. I'm I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to survive. This is where I'm supposed to have the right mindset to get out of the worst situation in my life. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. I took all that. I cultivated. I pushed it down. I left the hospital. Miracle. I survived 14 days. My mom came, took me home. I came home. It's a celebration. We was going to live. I had a couple bites of the breakfast my mom made for me. Yeah. My, my parents were separated, so my, my stepdad and my mom lived together, and my dad came, and luckily they're all cool, right? And my dad's staying. Let me, let me just rewind a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're, in, you're in the hospital. Uh, you don't know if you're going to live. You said you're on the, on the floor where most people are dying there. Yeah. What's, what's going through your head at this time? I was so drugged up. They yeah. gave me every form of medication they could to keep me the pain away. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't thinking clearly. I was in la-la land. I had these... I remember, and this will link into further in my story, but I remember I had a dream where I was in the clouds speaking to a black man with a with my grandmother behind me. Okay. And it made no sense. I was like one of those fucked up dreams I had. Yeah. Morphine-induced coma dream, right? Mm-hmm. Later in life, that became very important. We can touch base on that later. But I would have these moments of these like dreams that seemed so real. And I'd wake up just in a sweat, just like, what's going on? And my dad would be in the hospital bed next to me. Leo, you're going to be okay. And I'm like, wait, I'm still fucking here? Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is a nightmare? It's still happening? Yeah. So the whole right? time you're just thinking it's a dream, man. And the whole time I'm like, when am I going to wake up? Yeah. Right? And it was when I went back home when it became very real. Right? It became very real. I... Morphine was out. Pain medication was out. I am who I am now. I have no assistance. Uh, I had a couple bites of the eggs. 
I remember I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up to my stomach was like, like looked like I was pregnant. And my my stomach was just, and what it was was bile. So all the bile that eats where you're fed had nowhere to go. So the small large intestine, the highways were closed. So the bile was building and building and building and building. I was turning white. I was turning green. I was passing out. My family, my mom and dad are like, what the fuck do we do now? Like, do we Google this? Like, what's up now? Yeah. So obviously they brought me to emergency and, uh, they found an effective blood clot on my heart and an effective blood clot on my bladder and both were killing me. So they had to operate uh, emergency operation on the one on my bladder and they gave me antibiotics for the one on my heart. Long story short, I had to get operation on my sm- on my bladder mm-hmm. with me completely awake. Damn. So they put me in under in Montreal too soon before this surgery. So they feared if they put me under again, it's called an induced coma, and I might never wake up. So I had to go under the knife completely awake. God damn, man. God damn. You're a fucking soldier, man. <laughs> this guy is a soldier. So long story short, again, I, uh, they operated on my bladder completely awake. They did it on a CT scan bit so they can see on my insides as they operated on me. They put a piece of leather under my tongue so I would swallow my tongue, and later he held my hand, and they went to work two and a half hours. My screams echoed through the hallway. It was probably one of the worst days of my mom's life. She's around the corner, banging on the door. Stop burning my son. I'm screaming like fucking mayhem, mm-hmm. right? All I remember thinking is like, like Game of Thrones. Like, is this allowed? Like, it's 2000 yeah. and what? Like, we should... Don't we have technology? Like, why am I going through this, yeah. right? Like, if it was like medieval times. and um, Yeah, man, I had five major surgeries. I lost 75 pounds. I had to learn how to walk again. It was... Uh, it was traumatic, man. And the craziest part was, is I left the hospital and I'm about to like go off on my, Leo, you, you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. The doctor stopped me. I remember being in my hospital room and the doctor said, Leo, have you ever heard of mental health? And I was like, lady, I just lived through two bullets. Like, mm-hmm. I can do anything. Yeah. She's like, yeah, no, I don't think so. There's a little thing you might want to think about, like depression, anxiety, and more specifically, post-traumatic stress disorder. I said, I'm fine. What do you mean? Yeah. Good. Let's go. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready to go back to life. Corporate sales. Let's go. This was a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Man, I was so wrong. I went back to corporate sales. My suits didn't fit me anymore. Everybody was like, you're the guy that got shot. I work at a big company, right? So mm-hmm. I remember, um, yeah, I was kind of advertised as one of our salesmen was shot twice and left for dead. He's back. He's alive. He's going to get back to work. And everybody came up to me and went, hey, you're the guy from the, you know, the annual general meeting. You're the guy that got shot. And I was like, no, you missed him. He's around the corner. Yeah. I got to look like him. Yeah. Right? Like people started labeling me that. You're the guy that got shot. And just fast forward that, I remember a guy came up to me once and was like, one of the principals like, hey, you're the guy that introduced me as the guy that got shot. And the teacher was like, was it a teacher principal? I can't remember. And he was like, do people actually fucking say that to you? Mm. And I was like, yeah, they do all the time. You're the guy that got shot. He's like, that's like me going to a girl that got raped and saying, you're the girl that got raped, aren't you? You're that girl. And I was just like, whoa. I didn't even like feel, I didn't even feel what it was doing to me to call me that. Yeah. But when you painted it in that picture, no wonder I feel like shit after every, like, oh, you're the guy that got shot. Oh, that's all I am? Yeah. I'm just a guy that got shot. That's all I am. Mm-hmm. And people would label you to better understand you, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I started, like, faking it, putting that mask on, 
You know, I am the guy you all thought I was. I'm the guy from Scarborough. I listen to hip hop. I, you know, I, I'm the, you know, I'm not in a gang, yeah. but I'm the guy you thought I was. Yeah. I was a scared child in a man's body. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Why this happened to me? I remember just being so confused. I couldn't look people in the eye. I couldn't have proper conversations. I'm in corporate sales. I'm like shaking to pick up the phone. Yeah. I can't do corporate presentations. I don't know who I am. I'm lost. But I put 100% of my energy into faking it in the office. Yeah. So that everyone thought I was the same guy. And that must have fucked you up a lot. Fucked me up so much. I would get into my car in road rage. We live downtown. And <laughs> it's crazy around here, right? Yeah. My territory was Young and Eglinton. Okay. I lived in Scarborough. Yeah. So on the drive home to Scarborough, my mask would fall off. And the angry, lost, scared child came out. And when I got home... My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my girlfriend at the time, they got the dragon. I would just turn. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend said she could see it. My ex-girlfriend said she could see it in my eye. Yeah. Something switched in you. And I would say it was like when you put on like a championship hoodie, like you're a boxer, yeah. that depression just would come over yeah. like a hood. Just, and I would just become angry. Screw the world. I hate everybody. Why this happened to me? I shouldn't live. Mm-hmm. So I started lashing out at people I love. And what happened, I was, it was like almost like a werewolf where I would turn into this werewolf, rip people apart, mm-hmm. wake up the next morning as a man yeah. and be like, I can't believe I just did that. I can't, that's not me. So I kept living this life of like, like apologizing for shit I didn't even know that I did. Yeah. To my ex, to my sister, to my mom, I would say the most vicious shit and then be like, I can't believe that was me. So I, I, I got shot, shouldn't have lived. Now that I am living, I'm destroying people who love me. Mm-hmm. I remember looking in the mirror like, you're a monster, bro. And I became very suicidal. And it wasn't like, why me? I'm pitying myself. It was like tactic. It was like strategic. If I'm hurting people I love, I shouldn't be here anymore. Simple. Done. Mm-hmm. It was logical. I'm going to eliminate myself. So it was there, I kept kind of pushing that thought away. Like I didn't really want to kill myself, but it kept popping up. Just do it, man. Just do it. Just yeah. kill yourself. I remember I went on a, to a nightclub with some friends and I was drinking and it was alcohol influenced and I got in a fight with my ex. Got into a taxi. This is the night. Perfect. Tonight, I'm going to kill myself. I drove to... Uh, I, I remember telling the taxi driver, I live near this bridge. Take me to the bridge. Once you see the bridge, I'll tell you the rest of the way. So the taxi driver, as we got closer to the bridge, s- luckily was smart enough to be like, okay, this kid ain't right. Something's not right. Yeah. And so two lights before the bridge, he, uh, a police officer, a, a cruiser stopped somebody to the side of the road, mm-hmm. lights on. My taxi driver, God bless him. Steps out of the car and starts waving the, the cops down. I got a jumper. I got a jumper. He's going to jump. Yeah. I was like, this son of a bitch ruined my plans. Like, it wasn't even like, I wasn't even like sad. I was like mad. Like, you're ruining my game plan. Yeah. So the cop came. Long story short, I was put into custody um, as a criminal. And the cop, luckily the, the sergeant on duty said, Leo, I spoke to your mom. Spoke to the taxi driver. Tell me your side of the story. So I pretty much said, okay, this is, you know, I'm trying to kill myself. I'm going through PTSD. I was shot. He's like, Leo, I'm going to put you into a mental hospital. I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. Put me in a mental hospital. 
I remember he put me into the custody of the hospital. I ran away from the custody, went to the top floor of the building, and I said, game's still back on. I'm going to jump from the top window. Locked, 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 locked. I got to the ninth floor or the sixth floor, one of those two floors, and I remember going to a smoker's balcony. I looked over and I said, this isn't going to kill me. I, f- I failed. I can't even kill myself. I'm a failure. I went back into the hospital. I found a hospital bed, crawled up into a little ball, and then, again, woke up into a nightmare. I remember my family was looking down, like, Leo, he's awake. I'm like, what happened? They're like, Leo, the, the taxi driver, the, the bridge, the officers, like, you're in, you're in a mental hospital. Do you realize that? Yeah. Boom. Like, fucking, what? That wasn't a dream? Yeah. Like, this is my life? It was. I was on, I wasn't allowed to leave the floor. I was on a three-month lockdown. I wasn't allowed to leave the floor. I was looked at as one of those crazy people that if he leaves the floor, he'll kill himself or kill somebody else. Mm-hmm. And to be to be honest with you, they they were right. I would have one hundred percent done it. So I went through the process. I did it. Like I remember being in like group therapy, and the guy next to me is talking about like voices telling him to kill people. I'm like, I'm just a guy that lost my way. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, am I that rock bottom that I'm in a mental hospital after trying to kill myself? Like, is this, I, I thought I had the world in my hand. I thought life was easy. I thought everything was going my way and now I'm here. Yeah, it rocked me. And the hardest thing is, is I put the mask back on. I went back to my job and everyone's like, hey, Leo, where'd you go, bro? You're gone for two months. I was like, complication of a surgery. They had to tweak up some things. I'm all good, though. Don't worry. Yeah. And I faked it again. And what happened is I got bullied in my corporate office. Damn. I kid you not. Bullpen. Corporate sales. Cutthroat. Right? I'm doing my thing. Guys would literally be like, hey, Leo, did you close a deal this week? I closed 100 grand this week. What about you? I'm like, nah, man, I got a couple deals I'm working on. I'm like, yeah? Well, how about you go get shot again? That's what they would say? They would fucking say that to me. And I'd be sitting there like scared child in a man's body, completely faking all this like confidence. Just like, maybe they're right. Maybe I should. And I started listening to these people like, oh, you're a fucking failure, man. You shouldn't have come back to corporate sales. You ain't ready. We'll get shot again. Like they would literally say that to me. People that I once considered friends. I couldn't believe it. Like bullying doesn't, isn't just in school. Right? Um, So... You know what? You know what's crazy? Like you told me. So the mailman, the mailman came to came found you like in the morning, right? Yeah. And then you said the the taxi driver, the taxi driver, he 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 stopped you. All the doors were locked. Yeah. So what I'm getting from all of this is, man, you're supposed to be here. I uh, I hated that idea. I hated the fact that I couldn't even kill myself. I hated it. I'm a failure, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't even do this. What the hell? And so I went back to the corporate sales. I was, and the craziest thing was, is that I was doing okay in corporate sales, but yeah. I would always go home as that scared, angry child yeah. and ruin my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally 365 days to the day I went to the mental hospital, my dad called me and said, Leo, it's been a year since you're in the mental hospital. I said, holy shit. He said, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going to St. Catharines. We're going to go visit your sister. We're going to have lunch with her. And we're going to spend the day together. That's what's happening. I said, whatever, dad, whatever. Came, picked me up, whatever, whatever. We had lunch. And then on the drive home is when my life changed. Leo, you live for a reason. I said, whatever, dad. Leo, 
I want you to listen to the CD, Martin Luther King. I said, whatever, Dad. Looking out the window, all pissed off, right? He puts in the CD, Martin Luther King's last speech. Voice comes into the car. Hits him like a ton of bricks. One person, one voice, one mission was able to change the world forever. Something in his voice just captivated me. I can, I can help people. Wait, I could, I could share my story. I could speak to somebody and help them. I remember being possessed. I don't remember the rest of the drive home, but I do remember waking up the next morning, running down to the kitchen, grabbing the like grocery list to do thingy on the fridge, grab it off the magnet, started writing. Anger equals fear. Fear equals anger. The ripple effects of violence. Think before you shoot. Boom. I'm going to start an organization called Think Before You Shoot. Perfect. I called my dad. I spilled all the beans. He's like, call it Think Don't Shoot. So perfect, okay? My buddy was dating a, a, a friend of mine, and I knew him through her. Called him, like, yo, make me a logo. Made me a logo. We still use it to this day. We made t-shirts. I'm like, all right, I'm going to speak. Mm-hmm. Where? Right? We were talking about this before. I never had Tony Robbins come to my school. I never had a speaker come into my school. So I never knew that there were high school school speakers. Mm-hmm. My only idea of a speaker was Tony Robbins, yeah. right? Or like a president, like. I didn't know there was a speaker. Yeah. I was probably skipping like at lunch, right? Like, so I was like, all right, I'm going to talk. So I remember one day I went to a friend of mine. Her family owns a restaurant. I brought Think Don't Shoot t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to sell t-shirts to her waitresses and shit. And one waitress was uh, in high school. And she was like, hey, would you talk to my school? I said, yeah. She's like, it's an alternative school, 30 kids. Would you do that? I was like, hell Yeah. So that was a week before the actual talk. Mm. I did nothing for that week to prep for the talk. The night before the talk, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I told everybody I'm going to be a speaker. I got to do something, right? Yeah. So I created my presentation. I still use 70% of what I created that night to this mm. very day. Teachings, analogies, metaphor, everything I use. I went to this school, nervous as shit. What the hell am I going to do? I don't know. I remember they had a smart board, so I had to like click the board every time. Yeah. And it wasn't like a like one of those remote, co- remote controls. Yeah. So I had to keep coming to the screen and touching it. Yeah. And it was messing up my flow. I walked away from that presentation like I bombed it. Mm-hmm. The teacher pulled me aside before I left the school and said, you're the best speaker we've ever had. I said, oh, like the kids loved you. They loved your story. They loved your teachings. You need to come to my other school. I was like, all right. So I did school, school, free, free, free. My, the juice guy at my, at my gym in Good Life. Sorry, it wasn't Good Life. It was an extreme in Pickering. Mm-hmm. And he was a teacher. He's like, Leo. I'm telling him, right? I talk to him all the time. He's like, Leo, come to my school. Speak at my school. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. He's like, how much do you charge? I was like, what? He's like, how much do you charge? I was like, charge for what? He's like, your talks. I was like, I could charge for this? He's like, yeah, man. I was like, I don't know. I was like, in my head, I'm like 50 bucks. He's like, we'll give me 350. I was like, done. <laughs> Sign me up. Let's go. I did the talk. Same thing. You're the best speaker we've ever had. I was like, oh, okay. So I kept going, kept doing it, kept trying, kept fighting. And the whole idea of why I do what I do in terms of programming, I created my own curriculum in schools, speaking in schools, was I want to change curriculum so that math, science, and English are just as important as emotional intelligence and mental health. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to learn this shit on the street? Why do we have to hopefully have a strong-minded parent or guardian or mentor in our life? 
when kids are learning it as they're picking their face up off the concrete, they go, oh, now I get it. Why aren't we teaching that in school? So I'm on a crusade to introduce this into the school board. We now work with a community safety minister, education minister. We're just trying to create a a model that works. Mm -hmm. And so don't tell them. Show them. Yeah. Right? And I'm big on that. Okay, right? okay man. And you're doing you're doing so much. I know you're just helping people or you're helping kids daily. Yeah. Um so one of the big things that, that you talk about is is uh pain is purpose. Yes. Right? And I know you've been through a lot of pain. So kind of break us through break us down and, and let us know what that means to you. I wouldn't be here today in front of you guys and share my story on your amazing podcast if it wasn't for pain. I wouldn't have the chance to have a kid come up to me and say, Leo, you changed my life if it wasn't for pain. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to be on We Day speaking in front of 20,000 kids if it wasn't for pain, Mm -hmm. right? Pain is the fuel to purpose. When you, we talked about this, when you go to the gym and you work on your biceps and you're sore the next day, that's because you literally ripped the muscle fibers. They tore. And what happens is they grow back stronger. Mm -hmm. Same thing with pain and purpose. That pain is ripping your soul. Your soul is ripping. And when it comes back and grows back, your soul becomes stronger. Your knowledge of life becomes stronger. Your understanding of yourself becomes stronger. And then you have a better perception of what your purpose now is. Where before it was material, girls, fame. How many likes did I get on my Instagram picture? Mm -hmm. Purpose or pain rips all those out of your life and gives you the bare minimum, which is your purpose. Yes. And when I heard Martin Luther King's speech, I was like, ah, I turned to my dad. I was like, I did live for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was one of those aha moments where he called me, you know, after school presentation I was like, I told you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, I guess you're right. Shout out, shout out to Pops, <laughs> man. Shout out to my dad. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So do you feel that, Everybody needs to go through some pain to get to where they want to go? Yes and no. Okay. I believe pain is a driving force to purpose. But in no way, shape, or form am I saying go find pain Mm. in order to find purpose. Yeah. What I'm saying is don't avoid pain. Go through it. Go through it. Okay. Right? Don't run from it. Yeah. Go through it. And on the other side of that pain, you'll find an immense sense of purpose, an immense sense of happiness. And one thing that I want to add to that is that the Cinderella story is not on the other end. The, the, you know, the, the guardian angel coming down isn't on the other end. Mm-hmm. Work is on the other end. Okay. Right? Yeah. But what happens is you're stronger, you're wiser, you're more disciplined, mm-hmm. you have a better understanding of what you need to do. So that work just becomes what I need to do. Instead of, oh man, I gotta do that, I gotta get up here, I gotta go there, I gotta have this. It's no longer that. It's like, okay, because that is the steps I need to take. So don't get it twisted that there's some sort of fairy tale on the other side of pain. Definitely not. But your ability, you will become a superhero Mm -hmm. to handle anything in life afterwards. Okay, that's amazing, man. So I know you're doing talks, you're doing talks all the time, but if there was just one thing that you could say to someone, what what would it be? How much time you got? I would like my my biggest thing is emotions behind choices. Okay. Your emotions drive you to make a certain choice, right? One thing for 
what's easy to relate to that is anger. Mm-hmm. When you're angry, you make choices you regret. Yeah. And one thing that I, I love that people always say to me is like, you know, that whole tie tested thing of like, I, you know, it wasn't a regret. I learned something. I don't regret nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, last night when you couldn't sleep and you're going through your day and you're wishing you made better choices, that is a regret. Mm-hmm. Don't tell, don't make me seem or make you seem like some sort of guru and it's never uh, a regret. It's a lesson. False. It, you do regret it. Deep down inside, you wish you made a better choice, right? Yeah. So don't sugarcoat it with I wish. And sometimes I'll get kids or even young adults say, I never regret a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a lesson, Leo. I go, yeah? So when you're 22, 25, 30, 32, Mm -hmm. living in a basement apartment, the girl you don't love, the job that you hate, and a kid that you didn't want, Mm -hmm. you're looking in the mirror. And I say, consequence. Because you didn't take control of the emotions that were driving you. You kept saying it was a lesson, but you never learned from it because you didn't know where it was coming from, from your emotion. Control the emotion, control the choice, control your life. That's love, business, relationships, money, everything is emotions. Okay, so what about someone who's like, they're living with regret. Everybody like has made bad choices in their life. What, what, what would you tell to them if they're if, like, it's already done, it's already happened. So what should they do now? Move on. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Move on. <laughs> Keep it going. Like we were talking about this, right? Like the foundation yeah. that you're building, yeah. right? Every brick is a choice. Mm-hmm. Every choice comes from an emotion. Yeah. So sometimes even us, even me, even you, everyone has some of those bricks that are cracking and rotting in your foundation. Mm-hmm. There is nothing telling you that you can't go in and start swapping out bricks and injecting another brick, like connecting with an old friend, running every morning, mm-hmm. right? Making your bed. Yeah. These, the things you guys talk about, little habits and goals that can take you from, I can't, I won't, I'm not good enough, it's too hard, too big of a uh, choice, to wait, I'm on my way, wait, I did this, wait, I can, I will, I'm going to watch me. It starts with small changes that are renovations, yeah. right? Okay. Man. If you're not doing something, try it, right? Like you were doing, try a thing Tuesday. Oh yeah. Talk to someone you've never talked to before. Yep. Try a, a thing you've never tried before. I saw this podcast or uh, this TED talk the other day. I think her name is Michelle Robbins. Mel Robbins. Mel yeah. Robbins. Yeah. yeah. So she's like really big on like the other side. Is what you're looking for mm-hmm. of your comfort zone, hundred percent. Right, and so we're so used to like she was talking about like there's this like three second window you get, right? Yeah. Where like I'll t- I'll ask kids to come up and dance, right, yeah. at my presentations, and you'll see kids like I want to, I'm going to, I'm not going to. Yeah. In that three seconds, they just had positive, they just had negative self talk. You can't, you won't, you're gonna get laughed at. Mm. So they don't go. Yeah, that's three seconds. Pull the emergency brake. Pull the emergency brake, right? So you know, go. Mm -hmm. Don't even think, don't even act, don't even do it, or don't even like consider any other possible options. Just move. Just move. Just do it. Just try. Just act. And one of the things I also talk about is that it's not learning new information that's holding you back, Mm -hmm. it's not acting on what you already know, right? So I'll say to the kids, I'm like, and this is to the adults too, right? Like, who here knows McDonald's is bad for you? 
Who here has eaten McDonald's in the last six months? <laughs> the same hands will stay up, right? Yeah. So it's not like I'm here to teach you something new. Mm-hmm. It's that you have to take action on what you already know about. Yes. That is it. Don't worry about new books and seminars and shit that you are filling your head with. Mm-hmm. Just fucking act on what you already know. Be a good person. Try hard. Uh, be good to yourself. And good things will happen to you. Okay, man. Boom. Leo, shout out. Thanks for coming, man. My pleasure, man. Thank every, you so yo, much. Every time I hear that story, like it, like, it, it hits me. Yeah. Like every time. I and can't even believe it's my story. <laughs> it's messed up. Yeah. yeah and the crazy thing about it is that kids are going through that right now. Mm-hmm. When you watch CP24 and you see a shooting in your community or in Toronto or heck in Canada or even North America, yeah. understand, don't just change the channel and be like, oh shit, that's so sad. When you change the channel, the kid in, in the hospital can't. The family who lost their son or daughter can't. And there's a ripple effect to that. Yeah. Right? When you control your mental health and understand what's going on, not on the physical, but on the mental health side, we can be more aware, we can eliminate the stigma, and we can start actually helping these kids walk away from violence. Man, it's incredible that you're helping the kids because, you know, the youth are the future. Yes, sir. You're, you're changing the future, man. It's incredible. Appreciate that. Okay, so let everybody know um, where they can find you, social media, your website, all yes. that good right, stuff. So I'm big on my name. So Leo Barb mm-hmm. uh, with an E. Leo Barb A, if you will. Okay. <laughs> uh, Instagram, Snapchat, yeah. Facebook, LeoBarb.com, L-E-O-B-A-R-B-E.com. If you're looking at stuff on my organization, it's Think Don't Shoot, and you'll find more. Google, you'll find it. It's there. Okay, okay. All right, so shout-outs to Leo for coming through. Man, he taught us all about, man, pain is purpose. We all got choices to make. And, man, you heard it from him. Like, yo, he's, he's supposed to be here. And we love it. We love everything that you're doing, man. Thank you, bro. So, um, continual growth is a movement that creates happiness through growth. And by helping others, it helps us. It helps you grow. Everybody's growing. So, what we need you to do is tell a friend, subscribe if you haven't already. And most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode or you've been getting value from this episode, please, please rate and review us because that's what gets us traction. That's what helps us grow. And we love for you to become a part of this movement, right? So, follow us on Instagram. That's where you can find us most. If you have any questions or you have any concerns, man, feel free to just slide in the DM because, you know, we got answers. And other than that, we'll hear, we'll talk to you guys next week. Kill every day and own your fucking life. Bless up!